Hello, and welcome to the Love Says Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Johnson, and I'm coming to you from the coast of Maine. In my work as a life coach for the last 15 years, as well as in my personal life, I keep coming back to seeing the beauty of what unfolds when we each uniquely find our way back to a place of love. Love can get us through the most painful moments. It can give us the freedom to grow, the courage to change. And love can also lead us to a whole lot of peace, joy, and possibility. So let's see what happens in us, in our life, and in our world when we listen in to what love says. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Love Says Podcast. This is Elizabeth, and I am so looking forward to this conversation on love that we are about to have. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine. She lives her life in such a way that inspires me, and also in some of the ways that she adventures, she goes so much farther than I would ever go. And as long as I have known her, she has been a deeply curious thinker, a carer, and often caretaker of humanity and equality, and a lover of nature. She is a poet and a writer. She is an activist who has worked on campaigns, including the campaign that made my marriage possible. And she has hiked over 12,000 miles of trail. She calls herself a walker. I call her the most epic hiker I know. And when I think of her, I think of loving integrity. I am grateful. I'm excited. I'm a little giddy. And I'm honored to welcome Jean Marie Gossard to the podcast. Welcome, Jeannie. Elizabeth, thank you so much. That was the literal most beautiful intro I've probably ever received. Um, And I am so excited to be here. And um, as someone who has been personally very touched by your work, I'm really honored uh, and grateful to just be able to be here with you on this platform. I think it's really special space to be able to share our hearts with each other and anyone else who's listening. So. Thanks for having me here. Oh, I agree. And thank you for being here. And it's so interesting because originally I had, I've just been like feeling in right each month and reaching out to the person I feel called to reach out to. And I, in my kind of imagining, I thought we were going to maybe do this in March. Um, And then all of a sudden had this experience end of September, October, which we'll talk about later. And I was on the top of a mountain in Arches National Park. And I was like, I have to talk to Jeannie right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we're recording this in the fall. I'm in Maine. You're in New Hampshire right now. Um, And I'm, yeah, I'm just so grateful for the timing. Thank you for making the time. And and here we are. And here we go. Um, So my first question for you is... When do you feel love, like feel love most authentically, and how does it feel? Mm. I I feel love most authentically, I think most in its most raw form, when I am in nature, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I'm outside, surrounded by beauty and wilderness, 
And how does it feel? It feels like connection. I feel really connected to everything that's around me, whether it's trees, animals, water, clouds, air, um, sky. And I think when I'm not connected to love, it's funny, when obstacles come up, they feel like giant cement walls in front of me. And when I am connected to love, they just feel like steps up a, uh. stair- up a stairwell or up a mountain surrounded by beautiful, spectacular views. Like my heart is pounding and maybe my muscles are in strain, but um, <laughs> it, it, there is there's just beauty. Around. It feels different. Obstacles just feel so different. And then when I'm so connected, like really, really connected to love as deeply as so far I've been in my life as I can possibly be, it feels like I'm running on water. It feels like everything, um, gratitude is just spilling over. Um, there's childlike wonder at, you know, picking up an acorn as if it's for the first time. Um, watching a slug traverse, you know, a rock and feeling joy when it reaches the end of that journey. Um, like the, the, a water droplet catching light just so on the edge of a leaf can like bring me to tears that's when I know I'm most connected to love. I feel a sense of limitlessness. Like each moment, mm-hmm. there is a possibility for revelation. And mm. each moment is sacred. Oh, I'm already taking notes. I told myself I wouldn't, but I just have what? to. Re- I just I have to. Just because <laughs> Just to, it's so, to hear you describe it. And again, we've had very different experiences. And, like, and there are those moments where... It rem- it reminds me, right, of that moment with seeing that water droplet. And in that moment, it is everything, right? Or seeing that mm-hmm. slow. Like, and so there's some, again, I don't feel like our daily lives, well, yours is more so, but a lot of the times our daily lives aren't built around reminders of that. You know what I mean? And so totally. even just hear someone talk about it or write about it, or share about it. Of course, we want our own moments of that, but I'm like, I don't know. There's something you, the way you just talked about it, I was like, oh, I could feel, I feel that within me. Um, it's so interesting too because, uh, again, I wanted to talk with you now because Lauren and I went on this kind of epic road. Tri- well, I thought it was a road trip, and I think Lauren thought it was a backpacking hiking trip. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and it, but it's the most time I've spent out in nature, like disconnected from my phone. Um, again, not working, like truly allowing the day and the movement and the, like this, the senses, right. Like just taking in the sights. It was just, it was beyond, we were in Southern Utah. It was just spectacular and in some of the places you have hiked and I as I told you like the whole time we're like whoa like we would do eight miles and I was like I feel like I deserve a medal and then we're like how many miles would Jeannie hike a day like how just it's almost um difficult for my mind to grasp the full experiences you've had with hiking and then we'll talk about some other ways where physicality you pushing the limits to what we've been told is possible you do that in many ways, but in other ways as well. But for hiking, and again, I know you call it walking. I was wondering if you could just share about like your, a little bit of like the history of like how it got started, when you started hiking, Mm -hmm. and then like the relationship you've had with that 
it's amazing to me too, if you feel authentic love the most purely right in nature, and then you've created this life where you've spent a really good amount of time in nature. But I just would love to hear about, yeah, your relationship with hiking, how it's evolved over time, what it's taught you. I'm asking like a million questions. You could pick whatever you want, what has gifted you. But yeah, what is, tell me about you and hiking or walking. Yeah. Well, the, the seed was planted. Wildly enough, I just realized that Lauren is a part of the story of the seed of hiking for me. Yes. Lauren's my wife for yes. anyone who's listening for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so um, I was 16 years old and she was my leader on a summer camp program trip in the 100 mile wilderness that ended on Katahdin, which is the terminus of the Appalachian Trail, the beginning or end for folks who may not be familiar, it's a beautiful mountain in Maine. And as 16-year-olds, we 16-year-old women, we had spent um, 14 days out there together. And we thought, like you're describing, you know, we thought we really deserved a medal, like a serious, <laughs> and we did, we did. We yeah. went through so much. We, I felt like it rained every day. I mean, it was, and we were sitting up at the summit and um, journaling and reflecting. And I remember a really um, thin, older man with a bright white beard that felt like it went down to the middle of his chest was um, approaching the sign to Katahdin and he put his forehead on it and he began to weep. And at the time, you know, I turned to Lauren and I said, oh, wow, Lauren, this mountain must mean a lot to a lot of different people. And she said, it does, Jeannie, that that man just walked here from Georgia. And I was like, what? You know, the state of Georgia. It totally blew my mind off. And all of, you know, all of the girls were like, what are you talking about? And um, I think in that moment, my thought was, if walking from Georgia to Maine can bring a grown man to his knees, then maybe that's something I want to be a part of. Fast yeah. forward to a career in um, marriage equality campaigns, which was work filled to the brim with love, absolutely beautiful, swimming in love stories all day, every day. They were five months at a time, usually seven days a week, 18-hour days. And by the end of that stretch, after eight campaigns, I really burnt out. And my friends and family ended up kind of having a mini intervention and, and just being really real with me and saying, Jeannie, you know, we've lost you. You've lost yourself here. We want you back. Um, and I had work had really become my life. And as I was trying to figure out who I was without that work, I remembered that I liked hiking. And I hmm. remembered that little 16-year-old and Lauren and that moment. And I said, I'm going to, well, maybe I should go hiking. Maybe I should hike the Appalachian Trail. So I started on Katahdin and um, headed south. And I would say about two months into that journey, I, I had no idea what this would this experience would give me. I thought it was going to be like I thought I was going to recenter, recover from burnout, mm -hmm. and then figure out the next thing. And then I found myself just in what I the best word that I can access is bliss, but mm -hmm. it still doesn't quite capture. It's like a space beyond where I feel words can capture mm -hmm. my experience in the wilderness on that trail. I was waking up every day in that feeling of bliss, gratitude, you know, I was, I was weeping. I watched that slug, right? Like I like sat and watched a slug and I was so full. And mm -hmm. I had moments where I was, um, just with those eyes of a child, um, coming back to myself mm -hmm. and also coming very like deeply into the, 
a connection with nature that I've always had. I've always been an animal lover. I used to watch insects as a little kid, but I um, was really reaffirmed that for me, the divine is in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was writing poetry. All this poetry was coming out, pouring out of me. I was like crying at the sight of water droplets on leaves. I was just so full. Uh, and I think what you described, the the just being um, removed from friends mm-hmm. and family and your phone and access to what we're used to having access to in our lives. I felt as though I was able to peel back, you know, my old mind loops eventually ran out after, mm-hmm. you know, days and days and months and months. And there was so much newness there. And I was able to sort of peel back the layers of society, friends, family, and really find my soul in a way that I was like, whoa, I, I felt like I was brushing up against the essence of what it is, why we're here, like what it is to be human or what it is to be alive and why we're here. I still couldn't tell you what that is. I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm actually enlightened, but I, I just felt close to it. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of just, mm-hmm. it's like you feel yes. like you are really close to the essence of why we're here. And I felt that really frequently out there yeah. and I felt like I had to follow it. So then when I got to the end of that trail, I kept walking. I'd met a man who had walked from Key West all the way up to Maine where I had met him on the Appalachian Trail. And so when I got to Georgia, I thought, oh my gosh, remember that guy? He walked to Key West. So, or he walked from Key West so I could walk to Key West. And so I kept walking and um, basically just trying to prolong that, mm-hmm. that feeling and that connection because I felt like my spirituality was being deepened and I felt like I was accessing this creativity the gift, I think you asked, yeah, the gift, what did the trail give me? The trail gave me, gave me um, the gift of the power of presence, yeah. of really that. I mean, we, everyone's talking about it. We're really trying to access it. But like I, I, it gave me that gift in, in living, breathing real time. And it also gave me the gift of um, coming back to to myself. It gave me the con- like connection to, I think, my deepest wisdom, my, mm-hmm. my like deepest center and intuition. And, and therein, the divine that I kind of feel like is there in all of us. And it gave me the gift of my, of like strengthening my belief system around uh, the power of connection to the natural world mm. and oh. divinity in that way. I know there's so many more oh, gifts, but those so, are the ones that come to mind oh, right no, now. No, it's just yeah. so beautiful. And it's, oh, I just, it's it's so beautiful. And, and that's one of the things I felt out there. The it, Just what you said, the power of presence. I almost felt like, st- it's stunned isn't the right word, but like held fully, fully complete in the moment. From in these moments when we were at the top of a mountain or the bottom of a valley or like on this like sacred land, like, and it feels like time stops, right? And it's also the gift of getting, like you say, removing, having some time, it, like when you're able, if you're able to be off that clock, right? That man-made clock that we've made yeah. up, you know, that, yeah. and to be like, what, and then to go into these rhythms of nature and these, like, but that power of presence, it felt like, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm getting something I could never get in a vitamin. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, oh, this is so deeply um, nourishing. And totally. one question, and then I want to I want to ask you about like a moment 
when you felt the most disconnected to love on the trail? Because I love what you said in the intro about if you were disconnected from love, the challenges would be these giant walls. And if you were connected to love, they were steps. Because I just, that's like, I just really, really resonate with that. And, but before we, before I ask you about that, I'm curious about just your, like in your relationship with your body or your physicality or like, will you just tell me a little bit about the physical piece of like, again, you weren't sitting in nature for months or years at a time. You were like, you were moving, you were traversing, you were, like you said earlier, moments of straining muscles. Did the physical movement, like how did the physical movement help that hinder it? Like, what was it just like for you physically? Mm, that's a beautiful question. I, it definitely helped it. I think it, it fueled it. I think it was part of, um, in a sense it, for me, it's walking meditation. Mm -hmm. It's like moving meditation or stuff that, that folks do. I think my, my heart beating, pumping blood, like movement for me has always been a big part of my life. I grew up playing sports and, um, soccer was a big love and passion. So there was this element of, um, I felt like I was for the first time in many years feeding my body or like feeding that part of my soul that is so embodied and into motion and movement and sometimes speed, but then sometimes slowness. And, um, I mean, I loved it, right? The feel of the air on your skin, even when it rained, I think some of those days were my favorite because the day hikers would run back to their cozy homes and the whole trail felt like it was mine. I felt like a kid again, like running through the woods, just um, feeling the rain on my face and feeling so alive. So I do think the motion really contributed to that feeling of aliveness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that so much since we got back because I think it's the most um, active, like the most, like, most hours per day I've been active, right? And as long as can be. And what was so interesting, both Lauren and I talked about this and we we have our things with our bodies, right? Like, but it was the best we felt phys- at the end of a week of hiking every single day where my mind kept being like, you need a rest day. You need a like, right? And these places where we mentally limit ourselves versus what the body is capable of, which we'll talk more about later. Like it, it just was amazing to me to, and it's so interesting. We got home and like things started to feel weird once we started sitting for most of our days, right? And it was like, oh my God, there was, and there also is just something about that physical, I don't know, it's a combination for me of like feeling so enlivened, but then feeling also so physically exhausted that you've like, it's that thing of like, you've wrung every bit of the day from that, from life, including the physical piece, right? Which again, is not as much daily. So I was so, did you take like physical rest days or, or mental rest days? Well, no, is kind of the short, the short (laughs) version, but I think, but I think the reason Elizabeth was because I, I felt like I got into a rhythm with my body, that it became this like vessel for the spirit in a way that like I was able to just listen in and really sink into the rhythm of my natural body and my natural energy expenditure. Like what Mm -hmm. you describe that ringing out every day, that was, that's such a beautiful way to, that's exactly how it felt. And if I didn't, what I found was that if I didn't, didn't wring out the towel completely dry, right. I would Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't sleep as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I but if I got to the end of my day and felt like I did one time I didn't look at my mileage and I I wasn't I just would like every day at the end of the day I would check and see and I noticed that for a week straight I did exactly the same number of miles every single huh. day before I just I decided I wasn't going to like shoot for any sorts of goals daily about where I was going to sleep. I was just going to go with each moment. And then when I felt tired and ready for sleep, I would do it (laughs) wherever I could find. And it was really wild that week where I realized I was, it was the same amount of, of, you know, body movement every day, essentially. Um, So yeah, I felt I didn't have to take rest days because I felt that some days felt really restful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would kind of slow down on days when I was naturally more tired I would slow down or I would like sit for a couple hours and I would, wouldn't do as many miles. And then I felt rejuvenated. And then the next day, it was, so it was really, it was pretty, a, a neat, a pretty neat ebb and flow. I certainly mm-hmm. did take rest days, but they say you're supposed to take them like every, mm-hmm. I could count them, them on my hand, you know, the number I took over the course of. Right. Over 12,000 miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice bounced five rest days. But, but that's interesting, right? Cause you, you were finding rest in the movement. Like it's so like you were finding so much in the movement. Um, yeah, I want to ask for kind of two trail questions. One would be like a moment you felt the most disconnected to love on the trail and how that felt and how kind of that unfolded. And then after that, if you're up for it, a moment when you felt that most, which I think you kind of already shared some moments of this. And maybe we shouldn't say the most disconnected, the most, who knows, right? Just a time you felt disconnected and then a time you felt deeply connected to love while you were on the trail. Um, and could you tell us like where you were, mm-hmm. if you remember, okay. like just so like visually, yeah. geographically, we, we can like place you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it's a tough question for me because I do feel so connected in so many moments on trail. So I really did kind of have to boil this down. Let me think. Um, I would say there were there was a period of time on the Ice Age Trail. That was a trail that's in Wisconsin, and it's 1,200 miles. But it's not quite complete yet in that it, there are 600 of those miles that are on roads. And I didn't really know this when I jumped into it um, because I was a goof and just so excited and full of, I'll go to any trail anywhere. And uh, I got there definitely late in the season because I'd had a friend's wedding. And so I was doing the trail a little bit later than it's normally done. So it was pretty chilly. And it was sort of like that wall I described. Like I got, I got shin splints, I got blisters, they got infected. It would be like rainy and really cold. My sleeping bag sort of stopped really working as I had been expecting it to. Um, and it's funny that my, like those, it's reflected in my poetry from that trail. Like I'm a little, little more irritable, you know, you, I, there's some like sarcasm that's coming out. Whereas my poetry, my poetry on the Appalachian trail is like dripping with gratitude and love. And like, my life is such a gift. And then on the ice age trail, I'm like writing sarcastically about a sleeping bag and it's not working in all sorts of stuff. Um, but it really did start to, um, you know, wear me down to a point where I was like, I don't, you know, th- I'm here for joy. I'm here for poetry. I'm here for solitude. If I'm miserable, that's not really what I'm here for. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but the beauty of that trail was that, um, people were what brought me back to love, mm-hmm. which I, that, that was new for me. Um, I'd had wonderful experiences with folks all across the trail, but mostly trail was for solitude for me. And so the Ice Age Trail was the first trail where I actually asked for help. You know, one day um, 
it was all of my stuff was soaked and I was pretty concerned Mm -hmm. about how cold I would be that night and then when and how I would be able to dry my stuff because it was looking like multiple days of rain in a row. And I reached out to a Facebook group for the Ice Age Trail and this incredible family picked me up, brought me to their home, um, let me sleep in their guest bedroom, let me like dry out all my stuff in their garage. And just we just had this really special night of connection and uh, they inspired me sort of, you know, to keep going in those moments when, and then, and then a little bit later, there was a, there was a woman who just let me, she, I guess she'd heard about me from that family and she let me stay in her house and she wasn't even there and she'd literally never met me. And there I took a rest day. (laughs) I really needed like a mental and physical rest day. And it was the best rest day I've ever taken um, Mm -hmm. because she had this like book written by Anne LaBastille, who was like a woods woman back in the day in the Adirondacks. And it like, it just, it just kind of broke me open in this really neat way. And what brought me back to love were these people. So when Mm -hmm. I kind of was at that point where I decided, you know, I don't know, this is just continuing to be like hundreds and hundreds of miles of farmland. Mm -hmm. um, It was the people who were cheering me on that I realized those were the folks that I would um, need to finish for. And, and ultimately they're the reason why I was able to get to the end. But Oh, the other thing, sorry, that was really further disconnected me in on that trail were there. I have never seen per capita, no trespassing signs in the quantity that I have seen on the ice age trail. And I, that really pushed me like further into feeling you know, unwelcome. And then I got into my head and heart space around grief. Like this isn't even your land to talk about. Like this is all stolen. Like I was really, you know, I was really kind of like spiraling into um, grief and disconnection and people brought me back. Isn't that amazing that people, the people's actions or you're witnessing it took you down and then other people brought you back. You know what I mean? Seeing those no yeah. trespassing and then being like, oh, this is the reason. It's interesting because Lauren, ha- I feel like you kind of just answered it, but Lauren had wanted me to ask you about like how you like balance your love for nature with your love for humanity. And it's so interesting, yeah. and you can answer that now, you can answer it later, but it's that, to me, that story is one of the, where, again, you didn't necessarily choose it, right? Um, like, or I'm imagining you now, Jeannie, right? Like eight campaigns, like talk about love for humanity, right? And equality and justice. And, and then you balance it, perhaps, right, with 12,000 miles of trail, like, right. These like experiences of like, and I see this within you, but, but yeah, anything else you want to say about that weaving of your love for nature and your love for humanity and how they weave together or how sometimes may, they may feel like they're, I'm imagining when you were in the offices for those campaigns, you weren't having that much time with nature. So yeah, anything you'd want to share about yeah, your love for nature and your love for humanity, how they ebb and flow and also at moments really connect. Wow, that's that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's something I think it's really something that I do kind of grapple with. Um is in a lot of ways w- hiking and walking for me is is uh serving myself. It's filling my cup. Um, 
which I do believe, I think I learned in organizing that if you, if you don't find space, if you don't do the self-care, if you don't fill your cup, you cannot um, organize and create change in the way that you hope. Trying to think of a time when they connected beautifully on trail. There was, this is linked to probably feeling one of the times I felt most connected because mm. I was in Georgia and um, I was really in that kind of flow state, walk on water, just feeling really um, full of gratitude and joy. And I came out of this town in Dalton, Georgia, and on the trail, as I was coming up a hill, I saw a black bear and I took, immediately took my breath away and like, you know, froze in that, in that um, like human in wonder mode. And then I realized that it was a dog and oh. not actually a black bear. And I realized that this dog was injured, uh, probably, um, and because it wasn't moving and I kind of called it to me and then I um, threw some food to it and it ate the food like it had not eaten in days. And I realized this, this um, dog was injured. And so I pitched my tent and stayed with it and tried to make lots of calls to local animal shelters and uh, the local animal control and stuff like that. And folks, all the animal shelters said, we don't take injured dogs. And uh. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was, it was, it was this, that like humanity and uh, nature, uh, there was like a grapple going on, like inside of me in that moment for sure. And then, and then I finally connected with this woman who ran her own animal rescue and she'd founded it um, to honor one of her former pets. And she showed up with four other women from um, her pet like grooming business, but she did this rescue on the side. She showed up with four other women. They helped me carry this dog all the way out of the woods Um, and to, uh, the vet where the the dog was put on IV because it had gotten so dehydrated that it didn't, um, it couldn't drink water and like basically brought this dog back to, to baseline. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then she put me up in her home for that night. Like my connection with the woman who came to help Mm -hmm. in terms of this pup, uh, put me up for the night. We've established this beautiful connection and I still talk to her. I still check in with her to this day. And she's always updating me on like what dogs she's rescued recently and where they need financial help and all sorts of stuff. Um, so that was kind of a beautiful moment in an alignment and like a kindred souls connecting over, uh, trying to weave it all together. And in the yeah. end, this dog, we, she, they posted, the daughter posted a note on Facebook about a missing dog and an owner came in and said, I think that might be my dog and came in and called the dog's name. And we thought that this turned out the dog had a broken hip. I thought the hip was going to break in seven other places because this oh. dog was wagging its tail so <laughs> much. You know, I'm, I'm just like total tears and like, and, um, yeah, and it was able to be reunited with not only its human family, but it had like a mom and dad dog at home that <laughs> I think had been like searching for it. And it just, you know, like what it, only love could have done that, like that connection, the, the fact that I was there in that moment, the fact that it snowed and was in below freezing temperatures the night that we were both taken into shelter, uh, you know. Oh, isn't it isn't it like a just mind-blowing to think because we can 
like it's that hindsight 2020, right? We can look back and see the pieces woven and the timing and the like the ripple, right? And that you, let's say that day you were like, I'm so selfish for hiking. And also, I just want to say as a side note, because it's like, when you're like, I feel like it's selfish, but it's also like you are part of the human family. So you being taken care of is also necessary, right? Like you be like you caring for everyone else, Mm -hmm. but not caring for you as you. And I just think that's a, so you were like, but then you're called. You were called too, Jeannie, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were called to these experiences, and I just I think of how often we weave and we ebb and we flow, and we never even realize, right, that like one little thing has rippled, and then these moments when we can, with our human minds, be like, oh my yeah. god, like yeah. see the see the web, that divine web, and that's one of those stories. Thank you. Oh my god, and who knew Lauren's question was going to lead you? <laughs> Into that question. If, okay, one other kind of one other thing, well, actually, you can talk about trail or not with this. One pop up question is there a trail or um, like a trail experience that you are still called to have from like that place in you that's like someday I really want to do? You're just called to it. Like, is there something like on your list, on your heart? that you are called to do in the future? Oh, yes, definitely. I would say the biggest one on my heart right now is the end of the Continental Divide Trail because I did three-fourths of it and I have this like really beautiful section in Colorado Mm. to look forward to. And I would love to, my secret desire is to share it with my partner Mm. or Mm. someone that I love. Really could be anyone. If you want to come, Elizabeth. <laughs> do you I'm know, taking do you, applications. Do you know we were like on day three of our trip and I was like, and Lauren's like, we'll do this hike in the morning, this hike in the afternoon. And I was like, but when am I going to read my book? Like, I was like, I thought we were going to rest. And I, I said to her, I was like, I think maybe once a year, you having a, a physical adventure with Jeannie or Rika could be an amazing, or <laughs> yes. Sarah, like, you know what I mean? Like, could this group, and I will, as a side note, and maybe we'll get to a story, maybe we won't, you and Lauren and our, our dear friends, Jeannie and Rika, did a cross-country bike trip. So, like, like ages, ages ago, and what why I bring it up now is that connecting nature with humanity for, Lauren still to this day says that during that, trip it once she let go and surrendered and felt like she didn't have to control it all she felt like she received some of the most um like human kindness deepest moments of her life and anything yeah anything you want to share about that trip and just what it taught you I know we're kind of we're like jumping to this bicycle because you and maybe like will you just share like where you all started and ended and like yeah just a real moment of learning from that trip sure yeah I mean she it sounds like she nailed what I think we all felt that sentiment in spades for sure we started in Salem Massachusetts we dunked our like um rear tires in the Atlantic and then we wanted to go south because none of us had seen the Southern United States. So we kind of did what I call a smile, but we did like down to (laughs) New Orleans. We went down to New Orleans and then across over through Texas, um, Arizona, and like up to San Francisco where we ended and dipped our tire in the Pacific. Mm. And, um, the, the, that really was a trip of like human kindness, the Mm. just spectacular. If we, I always say that if we could treat 
uh, everyone the way we treat travelers, mm-hmm. I really think the world would um, just kind of break open for love <laughs> um, yes. because we were showered with so much love and it felt like it came from every single possible angle, demographic, every single possible American you can imagine. Um, and I've also felt, I've done a lot of international work and I felt this abroad. So I do believe it is like a human, um, that we are deeply good. Um, yeah, one, I mean, I remember a stark experience for me was one night we were put up by like an oil tycoon, um, in New Mexico he put us up in a hotel, just like paid for a fancy hotel room for all of us after he heard what we were doing. And, and then the next day we were taken in by a family, um, in Hobbs, New Mexico that essentially welcomed us into their trailer with four kiddos. They were Mexican Americans and they just had a home full of so much light and love and like kiddos running around everywhere and they were like getting on their bikes and like bicycling around their driveway with us. I mean, it was ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. to experience like sort of a a giant wealth disparity from one night to another and yet like, and yet love pouring out from every angle in every level of that was, I think, a very memorable experience for me there. Mm. But we felt mm. it everywhere. And everywhere we went, mm. Laura, we always tell the story, but everywhere we went, people would say, well, we're really, well, we would comment, like, folks here are so kind, so deeply kind. And they'd be like, yeah, well, we're really great here. But once you get to Louisiana, watch <laughs> out. You know, I mean, there was a lot, there was all this fear, this fear of the other oh. or the unknown. And then yes. we would get to Louisiana and everyone oh. would be spectacular. And we'd say mm. the same thing. And they'd be like, well, mm. we're nice here, but why, wait till you get to Texas. You know, it was <sighs> just ridiculous. But, but we felt it everywhere. It never, it never ended. So. Oh, is one other question about that, like the, what you experienced with how you were treated as a traveler, it it was love, it was kindness, it was generosity. Was there anything else that was a part of that mixture, like of how you felt, how you were met, how you were treated? Um, Yeah. Any other like, like pieces of that in addition to the love and kindness and generosity? Well, I did feel that us being four women traveling a route across the country that wasn't the standard route, a lot of folks go straight across and now people really know, you know, they see bicyclists and it's not that, it's not that special or rare. I think the route we took, people really had not seen anything Mm -hmm. like us. And so Mm -hmm. they were, there was curiosity that drove it for sure. You know, there was like, what on earth are you doing? There was a little bit of fear. There was a little bit of like fear and protective you know, pr- protective energy going on, maybe some sexism, <laughs> some doubt that we would be able to be okay on our own. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, all sorts yeah. of stuff, I'm sure, but yeah. yeah but, all, but the thing I was feeling was the curiosity, right? Yes. Like, yeah. and I'm going to get this quote so wrong, but Lauren quotes this often that she read from somewhere, so I'm not sure who it is, like, but who originally said like the most the most dangerous people are those who are deeply uncurious. Mm. Um, and and again, we could change those words, right? But there is something about curiosity. There's just something about curiosity, right? That I feel like, well, uh, let me ask you, like what is it about curiosity that allows for those walls to go down? You know what I mean? Because that's what we yeah. see happening, right? The minute someone's like, oh my God, you're doing this. Oh my God, you're yeah. that. Like the mind 
it's almost like that protective fear. This is just to me or that like, oh, I'm going to stay over here. You stay over here. Here are my fears. Here are your fears. Is like the curiosity like one ups that division, right? For the, and then once you connect, like you were saying at the very beginning, we all have that place of essence, right? Like within us. So yeah. Anything else about curiosity connected to love, even though I asked you a question and I just answered it. (laughs) Well, no, I think you're right. I think it does. I think it breaks down barriers and opens those pathways to love. And so many of my experiences hiking now, I have to hitchhike from Mm -hmm. trail to town to get food when I run out. And Mm -hmm. I have been, the folks who pick up hitchhikers are truly the salt of the earth. Like I cannot, I'm always blown away by how beautiful these people are because they are taking a risk too, right? They're actually at more risk because, Mm -hmm. you know, their hands are on the wheel. And so those experiences have sparked such conversations that are full of curiosity. I've Mm -hmm. noticed that, that they are Mm -hmm. definitely full of curiosity. And if they're not Mm -hmm. full of curiosity, they're full of a deep, desire, which I do believe comes from love, to connect and to share and be seen and be heard. So I would always like, we would, I mean, Lauren's the queen of this, but always asking questions of everyone we met, wherever we went. And so that's always my method when I get in a car. It's like, tell me about yourself. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And people will just tell you all sorts of things. And they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And just full of love. Thanks everyone for listening to part one of my conversation on love with Jean Marie Gossard. I'm so grateful you have been here. I'm feeling inspired. I'm hoping you're feeling inspired. I'm like, we should just get out on a bike or a hike right now. And in part two, we're going to go into more of the conversation, especially around when Jeannie loses hope and how she comes back to love and a time in her life where she felt like she really wanted something (laughs) and fear was coming in and yet like she was taken in a different direction by love. So we're going to go into that in the next episode. Please join us. And I just want to take a moment to thank the Patreon community for supporting the Love Says podcast and supporting us in creating and sharing this work. So thank you so very much and we'll see you on part two.